0: Like right now, many people would describe it, I'm unsettled, I'm agitated, I can't focus on anything, um, and I've felt all those things, and the, this practice and the community of it and the community of art that I have, um, those are things that support, and um, they're companions that allow us to open up further, not close into what ways that we can be fearful. I'm Julie Claire,
1: and this is the podcast Creative at the Wheel. Artists and creative professionals thrive in unconventionality. They reinvent themselves and find their way through impossible situations. Here, we get to have deep dive conversations on their adventures. Let's jump in. Hello, today my guest is Piper Lee, and we are both in New Mexico. And Piper is an artist, a practitioner of Cohen's, and has a long experience as founder, learning designer, and coach with Communica, where she designed ways for individuals and organizations to learn to face uncertainty and rapid change with a creative orientation. Piper's 2011 book, My Thin Skin Wandering, it's a very beautiful book, was published by Trace Chicas Books in New Mexico in 2011 and was a book and is a book of poetry and photography, a presentation of really as a a felt experience, really. It's a presentation. It's like a felt experience, both physically and emotionally, bringing poetry and photography together. So welcome in, Piper Lee. I can't wait to talk with you. Great. The same. Well, we've got lots to talk about. I know your artwork. You are a bookmaker. You make beautiful books um, through many years you're a poet, um, you sew, you make kimonos, dresses for installations, um, all kinds of stuff we could go on. Um, you're also a longtime practitioner of koans as a spiritual practice, practitioner, but also as partly a creative and bringing mm-hmm. in the world of uncertainty into your, I would say, almost mainstream of creativity. I, I see uncertainty written on, on almost every project. How do we face the unknown, the uncertainty? How do we stretch our container. How do we, how do we grow with this, all of this? So to start, I would just like, what, what, what's got you right now? Piper, you've got all these different areas of work. What are you most involved with right now? Is it the koans? Is it the
0: art making? Where are you right now? Well, I, I would say that given the time that we're in right now um, with the pandemic and, and it is a time of uncertainty, um, and there's potentially more space um, in some ways. there's also fear and a lot of other things that can come in as part of the experience and loss. Um, so what i'm what i'm what I'm focusing on is how can I stay as open as possible um, to what is new that might be breaking open in something so difficult and tragic um, for all of us and on such a huge scale. So I think there's an opportunity to have, you know, we're staying at home. We, there's no control we can have over this. And so how, what might be possible? And um, so that can include wandering and wondering about all sorts of things. So I'm in that place around art and um, the cone practice is always underneath. It always supports um, what's needed to navigate and wander is the way I look at it and consider and wonder and be curious. Um, So I'm looking at art and all, and what are the pieces and what are the, you know, what's been the theme over many years and what might it have to, what's speaking to me at this point in this time of uncertainty. Beautiful. And yes, we are
1: right in the middle of this COVID-19 kind of shutdown, stay at home time. Um, And I'm wondering, you know, as I was reading all of this, this, the role of koans, uh, spiritual practice, um, I just what is what has been the effect of that on you under your art life, or could you just even describe a little bit of your koan practice to get us started?
0: Well, in the koan practice, and um, and I started in two thousand one, which was very much a time of uncertainty and tragedy. Um, September eleventh, and um, you know all sorts of things um, thrown up and in the air and fear. And one way I would describe this practice is that um, we're, uh, and this is a simple, you know, simple piece of it. Sounds simple, it's not. Um, Exploring these really—they can be maddening and sort of confusing, um, mysterious. Sometimes um, you resist them, but there's stories that um, have ambiguity and unknown built into them, and disruption. Uh, are they we, Piper? Are they long
1: stories? I've always wanted to know that. Or are koans s- like a short little two sentence undoing? I mean, I always think of koans as being an undoing of the mind can't solve them. But when you right. say
0: stories, it makes me think maybe they're longer than I'm thinking. They can they can be both, and sometimes um, it's a it's a longer story, or there is the it's in the context of a longer story, but there's a question or a line which can as is some is called like a turning phrase for example one would be step by step in the dark and it, and it goes on to say if your foot is wet you it found the stone well so you can say well step by step in the dark what does that mean if your foot is wet is that a bad thing? Is that a good thing? I don't know. Is it maybe the stone is... I mean, it raises all these questions. And say that, is that a complete koan in itself? Is it step by mm-hmm. step in the dark? In the dark. If your foot is wet, it found the stone.
1: So I just want to let that land. Wow.
0: So, and I'm, now I'm hearing my voice. If your foot isn't wet, it found the stone. That, that's what I don't think I said. I'm not sure I said that the first time. Okay, great. Or this. Okay. Yeah. And there's so the,
1: another... Oh, so go ahead. So you have this, say so that would be a koan. And would you sit... Is it a morning
0: meditation or how do you work with the koans? What it can be. Like? It, it is a meditate. You meditate with it. You can mm-hmm. repeat it and notice what rises. Um, you're not trying to figure it out in that. You're just allowing it to kind of work on you. Um, and the breath of just, you know, being still with it or agitated with it, but still sitting and staying in that. And then we also, in this particular practice of koans, we, as a community, which is a really important piece of it, um, we study them together and we look at them together and hear, Um, what each other's experiencing. So there's not one story. And so you're filling out a much bigger experience of what step-by-step in the dark might be. So part of this
1: koan practice is community-based.
0: It's community and it's collaborative and co-creation. We describe it even that way. So you're exploring what people are experiencing and feeling. um, And that widens and deepens our view of the world. And it helps us not take, get solid and contracted, which, you know, in, in, uh, and and when you're thinking about uncertainty, right, like right now, our world has contracted, but we don't want to (laughs) contract. We want to stay open. And so how do you do that when something is either frustrating or, Um, you have a particular view of something that limits your view in a much bigger context, which is where creativity is, if that makes sense.
1: Totally makes sense. Also, you know, as a creativity coach and as an artist, basically your practices that you have for yourself astound me. They run deep. I know you do other things along with koans, but... I hear this. How do we um, gain this resilience of this ability to deal with a contracted world and not not just become the contraction ourselves, right? And I'm trying to picture how you do this in a group. Do you meet together?
0: Do you? Are we you meet. We take. We meet. We take. You know, we go on retreats, long silent meditation with um, parts of it that have a, a conversation, dharma talks, where. Cohen's are presented where you're exploring over a longer period of time, you know, six days, silent meditation with some conversation, but you're really sinking deeply into the questions that are rising out of this work um, and that are, that are working on you and meeting you in your life. Um, And then, you know, in the companionship that expands and really it builds a kind of, I, th- I think of it like a net. It's building a net that you can um, sit in, that you can stay in, which is hard when things are difficult. Like right now, many people would describe it I'm unsettled, I'm agitated, I can't focus on anything. Um, and I've felt all those things. And the, this practice and the community of it and the community of art that I have. Um, those are things that support and um, they're companions that allow us to open up further, not close into what ways that we can be fearful, which agitation is one of them. Or Do you ever, are you ever in
1: the middle of the throes of agitation, say even right now, and then your practice washes in? and you Yeah,
0: know? absolutely. Yeah. It's, it, it has a, I think I'm always, I've, I have to say this, I'm always looking for ways um, to create a kind of spaciousness for that to happen. If I'm in that unsettled, agitated place and I'm just doing, 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 and kind of rushing from thing to thing, um, there, it would be difficult to have that space. So that's part of why the landscape and the land is so powerful to me because it immediately, in you know, and in New Mexico, how incredibly lucky we are. It's, you can't ignore it. It's huge sky. Um, you walk outside and you're going to feel that spaciousness and a much bigger world than just me. Well, so um, that was
1: one of my questions is how has being living in New Mexico been integral to either your koan practice or your artistic practice? Um, and also what came first, this focus on Having the space to have this kind of um, relationship to life—did that come? Has that always been with you? And I guess there's two <laughs> questions there, and also the impact of New Mexico.
0: Well, I think New Mexico was when I first ex- experienced it. I mm. moved all—I moved all my life, and I didn't had never been to New Mexico, and a, a friend invited me, and I didn't know it anything about it and just landed in 1982 drove here not knowing anything which isn't i wouldn't necessarily say is a kind of the kind of risk taker i am i don't i don't know at the time it felt huge but i did it and as soon as i saw this landscape which i had never seen before this kind have lived in the east and the west and different places But never seen this, and that was the that was an immediate response I had was just like oh I can breathe. So I think it's hugely important to me. It's it's as if I found my home here. um, After you know I'd never lived any place longer than five years, so it was like here was a place I could stand. Here was land that I can I feel like I can take refuge in. I is. You know, awing is inspiring. It's also yeah. edgy and unpredictable, and can be disconcerting and way bigger um, in a in a really really um, important way for me of kind of opening up. Um, so I think that can, I, that actually the kind of art that I made, which and much of it is the natural world. And that is, I, I think that's part of my expression and part of my offer is that all those things come from the natural world and our connection to it, and that in offering my my story in the in the way that I do, I'm hoping that that world, including and I think a key part of it is the beauty and the largeness largeness of the Natural world and the landscape that we live in, and what we see as and experience as home here, or I do, is a way to help other people step into that or consider that in their own lives and stories. How long has it been with you that you wanted to help others
1: come to their own spaciousness? I hear it in your voice when you speak. I, I hear very deeply that you're inhabiting that place mm. and that your gift is inhabiting that, and you've got a myriad of ways to. Kind of make sure you're there. <laughs> when when did it start? Did you was it by um, necessity for work? You have to do something. You need to employ yourself, or was it was it part of your artistic calling when you were writing? Or how did that start?
0: I don't. You know, I I have. What first came to me is I often the thing that we are is not the thing that we think we should be or that is the offer that we are, (laughs) you know, it's like, Oh, I need to do this to respond to the world or I want to help people or I want to, um, and then I, and I don't know, I, I feel like I'm not sure I would have described that in the beginning. It wasn't clear to me, but I loved ideas and I loved companionship and, um, I was fascinated by how people do their other people do their work and um, and i you know i ended up being asked to be in roles as that developed into communica and being um, a learning designer to create these environments and i and those were the environments that created spaciousness for people to see things in a new way so I'm not sure i would have I'm not sure I described it to the client, to the organization that way, but that is in, when I look back, that is a theme in in both you know what i was and I think I was seeking that for myself mm-hmm. so as you know as i was seeking that, I wanted it so much to have the the room and the um breath and a kind of um, alternative to a world that you know pushes and pushes and with with all the things that come with that of shoulds and overwhelm and um and not being able to hear your own voice and i and i so all these things i think contributed to that they informed each other you know both the work with groups and people and, and being interested about how they're connecting and how they're working and what happens if you create a space where they can, they're can, they willing to explore and try new things. Uh, you know, I'd um, like to
1: ask you more about that paper. I, when I want to um, ask you if this is right, but I, I hear you saying that you were driven by your own longing and mm-hmm. your own desires, not by some great intentionality of helping people.
0: No, yeah, it was I think more that's... Of,
1: okay. And, and that you found something in New Mexico that resonated, it landed, it gave you something, and you kept following that. Um, and it did end up in your work,
0: right? Yes. And I don't, you know, in terms of, I mean, it is, it's in all, it's it's definitely the koan practice supports, you know, what it takes to be in. I mean, it's a it's a practice underneath. It's like a river that runs out under all of it. Um but, you know, the art and the way I got to live my life as a consultant, there was flexibility. Every project was new. Um, I responded to people calling and saying, well, can you help with this? And the ideas that I loved coming from that and, and playing with the environment that would create that kind of engagement different than, you know, differently than a speaker standing in front of a meeting and teaching. Um, I was much more interested in the conversation. And I would say that the same thing is happened in terms of creating you know making things It was um how long have you been making things yeah i well, I wrote poetry um and I mean for a long long time, but actually, i mean before here, but it was way in the background. I would say that um, in New Mexico. I did writing, you know, I had writing workshops and I started writing with with people and loved that. And so there were companions there too. And then um, the bookmaking led me to other kinds of collaborative projects. So then that built that community more. Um, And it was the exchange of ideas that, you know, excited me alone and together how we created Hmm. So, um, but then the form of bookmaking that then went to, you know, larger multimedia pieces and then installations, that mirrors very strongly or that, you know, yeah, it mirrors the path in what I was offering organizations. Although I don't know that they would explain it. They wouldn't describe it that way at all, I don't think.
1: Can you tell us how how you got involved with Communica? You were starting to go there and I'm interested because how is it, you know, how do we as artists, creatives make a living? How do we, and one of the ways you've done it is by your role in this, well, you founded Communica, right? How, how
0: did that right. happen? What, what was that for you? Well, I, you know, I, if I, I was always interested in learning. And, um, and so even in, You know, in other organizations, I worked in you know twenty four seven program crisis intervention program for domestic violence. Long, long ago, right out of graduate school, and and then I was they asked me to lead that, and what that meant was that I was involved in learning and training for hospital staff, and police, and courtrooms, and volunteers, and And I loved that work. So it almost didn't matter which organization I worked in. I was always gravitating to how are we learning together? What are new ways we can do? How can we work better together? So that theme kept happening, whether I worked in the program I just described or Mm -hmm. even in a bank and also communication. So you know, communication skills, that was all happening. Did you work, did
1: you actually just work as a job in a bank, at a job in a bank? I did, I did. What was your job title?
0: My job was communications. So it was around communications and marketing. If you told me ever that I, you know, when I was in school and, you know, I would never, and when I was working in the nonprofit world, I would never believe that I would work in a bank, but it, it was a community bank and, it was like the thing that was most interesting was the community part. And so and they hired you as
1: in communications and you also did marketing. Does that mean you had a real business brain that came with you
0: and all of that? Or did you really focus? I, on the I don't think so. I think it was just, commu- I think it was communications <laughs> and connection and they were like, we'll teach you to be a banker. We'll just, you be, you know, look at the communication, which then involved, you know, managing and helping people do their work and training and... How did they find out about you? It was a connection. And that connection through a person. It was a referral and kind of a, you know, some people would say networking. I don't, I have never thought of it quite like that, but because I didn't initiate it. And I think that's, you know, when you ask me how I got in it, I would say that, that that's happened all along. And in doing some of the reflection I'm doing now, I've said, oh, well, I'm just lucky and it was serendipity, which I think both those things are true. I, um, and I had a voice almost always that said I should do more to make things happen. In hindsight, I mean, there was a lot of criticism that I have and I can still have. Um, and what and I'm thinking, you know, the more that I've been with this recently, it's, oh, those things were walking toward me and i was lucky enough sometimes to see them and say yes and i think the reason that happened was because i was curious and i liked new ideas oh
1: my god so, okay here for some reason that excites me uh, you basically you could say your your career path was directed by curiosity and it was very practical so by being curious in people and people in relationships people got to know you they got to know your Range and they hired you for things that weren't always obvious, but they somehow had a sense of you is what i'm hearing
0: they did i mean yeah. they were they were huge stretches often, but they were in relationship with others in a way and in connections and partnerships i mean I was working on my own i had my own business in New Mexico, but I had very strong um partners that I worked with or that, you know, had projects and brought me in where I was collaborating with them to create a design. So that relationship is what, you know, would lead to the next project and the next project. And then there was some that, you know, even in New Mexico, some of the, some of the organizations I worked of, you know, state nonprofits and community foundations and boards, it was all, those came through word of mouth where we do a project and then someone would call and say, well, I heard about you. And, but if you said to me, well, so what did you do to build your business? I don't really have an answer for that, except that I think I, I said yes. And, um, to things that came sometimes not, but most often, yes. And, um, and that brought new, I mean, I was, that brought incredible opportunities and new experiences and the relationships I had with people deepened in that way. Um, and would you,
1: how much of was, so I do want to know about Communica just in terms of what is, when you look back at having worked in Communica and helping organizations, creating this space and conversations, what, what, what do you marvel at the most? What do you go, wow, I can't believe that's what I was doing. <laughs>
0: Um, well, yeah. I I think it was because I think what was is that I created every project anew. And, and what do you mean by project? W- every activity, every... Oh, every project was completely different from huge, huge interactive meetings to, you know, small groups and coaching leaders one-on-one to... Every project you know, was different. Yeah. And I... I think you know. I mean, when I look back on it, it's like, wow, I could have, I could have had a little bit of an easier time if I had, um, <laughs> had had a. I mean, I was building a curriculum, and I did, and I did create books that had, you know, that I loved about. Well, what are the things I've learned about collaboration and communication and courageous conversations that were that I would say were part of a synthesis of the curriculum over time in terms of skills and practices that people would use and help in, in the ways that we're talking about. But I didn't have a program and offer a program. And I was really, really wanted to have each program be customized. So, and I just, I don't know, that was just something that I was committed to. I, um, I didn't feel like one size would fit all, mm-hmm. and and usually the projects were we have this we have this either meeting we have this problem, and what what would you do? What could you give us you one do? example? Just a little bit briefly, because
1: I'm sure it's quite involved. But what would be one example? Say of someone saying, um, "Hey, we've got this. We've got this meeting coming up." how could you, what could you do for us? You know, what, what would be one example so we could,
0: um, so I'm trying to kind like of concrete we, level. Yeah. Yes. Well, there are, um, so one example and sometimes we would create what I would call practice fields or learning labs. So, and one of them was a communication company. or There were several actually communication companies we worked with, but they were going through a change because of, the internet and cable and all the community, you know, all of that was radically changing and really fast. And they didn't, you know, it was like, wait, how are we going to do this? And, um, with cell service increasing and it just, everything was kind of exploding. And so it was a national, they were going to call a national meeting. So there were people from all over Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and I've done global meetings too, where, but anyway, so, so they're coming together. And we actually, and, and we did it in Santa Fe. This is one that was actually, they came here often. I, most often I was going somewhere else, but they came here and they, um, we took them to meet artists in their studios. So this sort of connects with the other pieces that we're <laughs> talking about, because it was like, wait a minute, we don't have this. We have nothing to do. We're not artists. We don't have anything to do with this. But what, what the challenge was put before them was, what see what you can learn in this setting. How is this person doing their work? How would it be for you to work together? And there were projects that were given to them that they would do together in some medium. And, you know, everyone thinks they're, those people all were like, we're not artists. This is really edgy. And I'm really uncomfortable and that wasn't, we didn't want them to stay in that place. We wanted to create something that was curious, that could be curious enough that they were willing to, to step into it and that they could be engaged. And so sometimes it's playful. It wasn't like putting them on the spot, offering them a place to kind of explore, well, how do we work as a group? And where do I have my voice, and where don't I have my so voice? So one
1: exact, one precise situation was this national company. Uh, they came here to Santa Fe, and you put them coming to artist studios, and they had these tasks to do together. And then is it was the power also in the debriefing? Then what how, you know? Yeah. How world
0: Yeah. Yeah. What are the connections that you've made? What are possibilities of, of things that you could? Different ways you could work together. Where are there places that you're making assumptions about how you work together that might not be so? What happened? What would happen? What are the things that help you create new ways so that you can step out of the ones that aren't working anymore? Because as the business, you know, as a business or a field or a nonprofit's world completely changes around, you know, everything changes around them. You can't do the same thing, but how are you going to? Help each other, you know, and use the group to see things in new ways. What a
1: beautiful example and and all the way through, would you say you were doing your own artwork or did your artwork get I mean, put down and picked up and
0: I think it, I would say that it got put down and picked up, and then it started um in the last i don't know um, i don't know time frame, maybe you'd say decade, I don't know. Um, I was always, it was always kept separate, but it was both always informed each other. Mm -hmm. And then I started to, you know, want to do more. And I, you know, with the Trace Chica's book and I did other collaborations. And then, so it was, I, I would say it was moving forward. And, um,
1: so wait, would you more, say then your art practice was kind of on the sidelines for many years, but you were doing it and then it became more prominent as you eased out of communica or
0: I don't, you know, it was a, a sidelines. Yes. Just because I was weaving, you know, I, it could be juggling or weaving, whichever, what you would feel it different ways at different times, but there was this continuity with, um, Other people and things that I was making and photographs and being in the wilderness and the outdoors, which I loved Um, And the I, I don't know if it's on the sidelines. It was it I didn't I didn't see that it would have value in this other world and I see that differently now but I think so it felt like this refuge Mm, and
1: I get it. Your um, your yeah. creative space is the refuge,
0: yeah. It was a refuge, and it was joyful. And it was a connection to other people that um felt really alive. And but it was like New Mexico and this art world is sort of my place of refuge. and um, and i I, I didn't see them necessarily. I didn't see it necessarily being in this public space. And then that started to shift as they started to do what I would call as bundles of work that then I um, was invited again to do an installation. And then it became a little more public and then invited to do a reading and then invited to, well, can we collaborate on this book and have a reading together? And. Um, well, do you want to have an installation in my studio or a, a, a woman's offered? She said, well, where would you like your next installation? And where would you like to? And I was like, well, I want it to be more, you know, more public and not just the people that, this was with a group of, with the whole series of kimonos that were translucent and hung from the ceiling and had images and words embedded in them. And I said, well, I'd really love to, have it be, you know, more really more public people that I don't know, and she said, "Well, I have the place for you," and so she offered her studio, which and said, "You have the studio for um, Christmas Eve on Canyon Road," and there were thousands. Canyon of Road people. being a
1: major art center yes. of Santa Fe, <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> right, the, the primary, was, yeah. That's right. So with thousands, of to see art on Santa
0: Christmas Fe. Eve.
1: And Christmas Eve is a huge gathering in Santa Fe, right? People are walking through,
0: yes. And so I got to put those kimonos in this space. It was freezing cold, but I had a, you know, there's fires that are out. People are walking and there was a courtyard and I had a a piece of cloth that was also um, had this transparency and I had a way of projecting images on that uh, in a video on that cloth which drew people into the courtyard <clears throat> and then then they went in and they were in this space with these kimonos and I had a recording and there was my name was nowhere i could hear their response and their experience but i wasn't visible i was just listening and watching it was wonderful to what, see what
1: inspired you for the kimonos I wish I could have I, seen that. Um, I, real, I could picture it as you speak. I can imagine it. And it's such a magical time, Christmas Eve on Canyon Road. But what inspired the kimonos? You, again, you had this friend, this relationship, offered the space. Were they all your words? Was that also collaboration? Yes. No, That was all. it was all my was words, all words. And, and what, and what and inspired I, you with the kimonos? Yeah. I would
0: say that um, I, just, I, lo- I was always trying to make the book form bigger. You know, so there were artist books that are smaller and then the bigger books. And then, well, would it be scrolls, which is a book form? And so then scrolls. And I even had, you know, mobiles that moved. So you'd have different images on card or on, you know, printed and that moved. There was this whole idea of movement. And I'm not sure there's something always that has fascinated me about kimonos that there's an inside and an outside you know there's a lining and um and there's kind of a, a there's secret pockets inside the sleeves and there's a public and private um and just the shape purely the shape of it and i was somehow i i can't say the source of it but this sense that that it was revealed in this translucence that the, the layers of who we are in our stories through image and word and this kind of presence in these figures embodied um, would allow um, a kind of experience of our stories and, and who and Piper, we are. It's Also, I hear, is it a
1: female experience? How interested were you in the female experience at that time or now? Because the kimono.
0: Yeah. I I would say all I would say always that's been in, in my artwork. I would say that would be the focus is how my story, how I might through my story and through creating experiences, sharing you know my story and what's beautiful to me and my experience with the landscape and words and memories. Um, the you know how that being offered. Is, um, can be a conversation that people step into without me prescribing how they're supposed to understand the poem and what's the right way to read it but more of an overall experience like you said earlier a sense experience that people step into that hopefully would invite stories that haven't been told and women's stories haven't been told and they're still, still haven't been told so How you know? How do we give voice? Help each other have a voice, and the power of our stories as um, coming into our own voice, um, uh, seeing those that aren't voiceless. You know, those that are voiceless in the world, and inviting them in, not leaving out voices which women have been left out. And I see stories as a way of um, bringing that forth. contributing to to that process in each other and in a way that you're the coach, you know, or a coach and an artist. You're, you know, how do we mentor? The latest latest, uh, series of work was a series of dresses um, based on my mother's wedding dress. And they, I was seeking to, or it seems that they evolved to be facets of women's lives. And they each had, you know, poems and images connected. So wait, to wedding them. dresses.
1: So definitely you've got some sewing in you from making, designing these kimonos with words with light projected installation, Christmas Eve, to now taking your mother's wedding dress and imagining now a collection of wedding dresses that you would also make from zero into these pieces, right?
0: Right. And they weren't all wedding dresses. Okay. So they but they were her the shape of her wedding dress and mm-hmm. they were based on that saw the size of her I cut a pattern out of that dress and that dress was the first and I attached things to that dress and then I had these other dresses from um a dress that was um that was see-through that had objects hanging in it to a dress that was a you know a velvet blue dress long with things embedded in it that was connected to the ocean and all of them became for me um a a sort of embodiment of ancestors and mentors and our mothers, um, you know, who are asking that question, who what's our lineage backwards and going forward.
1: Okay. Right there. For some reason, I want to ask you this question right there. I have the spirit of koans. And Mm -hmm. why is that? What is that right there that speaks of koans, this ancestry, this lineage, this voice?
0: Well, the koans are centuries old, so mm-hmm. that's the first thing. it's you know it is voices that are coming and that we're speaking with in the present, and there is this timeless sense and I think for women um it's so important that that there is lineage that hasn't been um and and stories and women's experience that Hasn't been visible or been able to contribute. And and as we step into that more and more and more voices, our way, women's ways, um, not trying to fit in the leadership models and all the other um, messages, ways of um, a male dominated um, culture. The cult, I really believe that we have this sense of a culture of connection and relationships, and we have that to contribute. And I think the lineage, even the parts that have been hidden, and koans reveal that, I think. Even the parts that are hidden and have been mi- missing can come forth. So even if my mother lived in a very different time, my grandmother lived in a different time, there are powerful, powerful ways the story continues in me And can inspire me and that then hopefully I can contribute going forward. So there is this continuity um, and conversation going backwards and forwards um, and not in a linear sense. I was just going to say
1: so much when you talk, I feel like when I listen, I'm not listening in a linear way. Mm -hmm. It's very open. um, It's wide it's up, down, forward, backward. Um, it's a beautiful to, to hear you again. Weaving is is you mentioned that at the beginning. I, I hear you weaving, and I hear you bringing in the ancestry and koans right there. Would would you, would you say, right now, when you take stock of what you are, are you most interested in? Well, this this book you said the most recent project was this project with the dresses, right? Mm-hmm. And then you also had not that long before that was it the my thin skin wandering with Trace Chica's books.
0: It was that that was earlier that happened earlier, but the and the kimonos happened in between, and then there was collaboration with a musician and collaboration with um, a Buto dancer. So I got to have those things um, be, uh, and I would say those pieces of work be enlivened or. You know, in the context of the different collaborations and settings, Um, but the most recent. God and when you look
1: forward, what what words of wisdom are you? What are you hoping to be guided by? Because we only have a couple minutes left here to talk. I'm curious what what do you? Sometimes I ask people what's your mantra, but I don't mean really a, a a mantra given by a guru so much. But in this situation, but more of a what is that that you'd like to be following as you continue from where you are right now? Here we are in COVID and we're kind of shut down. We don't know how long that will last. You've got all of these experiences and collaborations at your fingertips. It feels like what, what is leading you forward from here or is it not even about going forward? I don't know.
0: Well, I, you know, I would, I really, especially now and especially, you know, at a later time in my life, I'm not doing the project work, so now I'm in my 60s. Um, what do, you know, what do I have to offer at this time, at this time of uncertainty? And what particularly is, you know, my gift? When we're growing up and over all this evening that described in different work, you know, it's like, oh, I can do this. Oh, I can do this. Now it's, you know, who, what is it that I do that I most, lo- how can I share what I most love and what I most believe will help us trust our way into a place that we can't know, that we can be in the unknown without reacting in fear and contraction, that we can be companions in that way, we can be creative. Um, and what's that, what's that going to look like? Um, what's, you know, what are the ways that words and images and um, objects that are created can be offered? We have no idea. People are, are starting to be very creative and thinking about that. I'm thinking, well, where can I have an installation outside, Where which I have had, Um in a garden, I had all the kimonos installed in a garden, and it was wonderful. So, what are the other ways? And and the theme would be how do we, how do I help illuminate the stories that we are, and um, and really help each other find our way at a time that can feel like loss and disruption and helplessness. Um, I guess. Does that answer your question? Oh, it does.
1: It's beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. And I look forward to seeing and being part of these installations, walking into them, through them. And um, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, what a beautiful well, thank journey. thank you.
0: Thank you. It's wonderful. And this is the kind of conversation that I think I'm talking about that inspires us and, um, and is very, very valuable. So thank you for asking and for your very engaging questions and listening. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Piper. Till soon.
1: Well, that's today's podcast of Creative at the Wheel. Before we go, I want to thank you for listening and I invite you to tune in again. You can listen to more of these podcasts on SoundCloud on my Creative at the Wheel channel. You can learn more about my one-on-one coaching for creatives on my website, Paint Big, Live Big dot com.